0: It's the only thing I don't like about conferences. You don't get to worship for an hour. <laughs> I love to worship God. Well, I'd like to take this time to take up our offering for the conference. If you're making, making out a check uh, brief, you'd put the, yep, COA, you can text to give. You can just write on your check, COA. And I um, wanna thank you for your giving Large or small, give unto the Lord. I, I like I always like the the. Whew. Oh, oh yeah! Just go ahead. You too, huh, Debbie? You get drunk in the spirit. Hallelujah. You know the gospel could never. The, you know the gospel was never designed to be preached without power. It was never designed that way. When Jesus preached, he demonstrated. When he anointed the disciples and they became apostles, there was always something going on. Who has teeth problems in here? Does somebody have a tooth problem? Yeah. Check it out, right? Oh, my sister. Yeah, that same tingling, that same heat that healed that arm is going to heal that tooth right now. Let it happen. You'll start to feel it. Come on, let it happen to you. Thank goodness for dentists, but they're just designed to clean the teeth. <laughs> Hopefully there's no dentists in here. Anyway, he's... Get a little loopsy and things just kind of bubble up and out. Okay, um, tonight I want to talk to you just for about thirty minutes. I want I want to talk about the key to your healing, the key to your deliverance, the very first key. So it's kind of it's entitled the first key to healing and deliverance. And you know, um, tomorrow tomorrow. Tonight, we're go- Tonight is just stage one of a two-part plan that God gave me that we're going to go after chronic diseases this week. Diseases that the doctors say you're just going to have to take medication for the rest of your life. Whoa. Receive it. Whoever that is. You don't have to. Uh, an ankle problem. Receive that ankle problem right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, it's, it's happening right. There it is. Uh, receive it. So in the healing ministry, one of the things I find in the healing ministry is that um, there's real no emphasis. There's not a big emphasis on Repentance concerning healing now I find now let me let me just kind of explain that because a lot of because a lot of healing ministries teach repentance but what I find when I ask people have you forgiven when I'm praying for them they say yes I've forgiven and then my next question to them before I pray is is there anybody that you don't really like to be around And you have this, you have this, I'm gonna call it a dislike. It's really called in the Bible an offense. And it can prevent your healing. It can prevent your healing. Now, in the deliverance ministry, you you hear words right out of the gate and when i lead you through this corporate renunciation at the end of this talk i'll say i'll have you say i repent i renounce and i break curse so right away in the deliverance ministry there's repentance there's renunciation and there's curse breaking if deliverance is due to sin, and healing is because of sin, then why wouldn't we put those same principles or methods into action? Okay, it's quiet. <laughs> Let me just read a few scriptures. Can we do that? In, in uh, Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Um, brief, well, Martha's got the computer there, so. Luke 13, 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the NIV, but the 1984 version. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Or the 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Here's the point. The people were asking Jesus at that time, what happened to these guys? Did some, was this some type of curse? Was, it was, you know, uh, out there. The question was definitely a hot topic in the time, a hot topic. Because they were, they were asking about these two dramatic disasters that happened. All I can tell you is from biblical history, the record says Pilate had mingled their blood with animal sacrifices. That's all it said. That's it. It doesn't really tell you why. Now, they weren't occultic in nature or anything like that, they, but they had done something that brought on their destruction, okay? It was a religious act of sacrifice and Pilate had them executed. And so the animal and the human blood was mixed. Now the Tower of Siloam, the disaster, the Galilean disaster, their present day seemed to view this as what? A judgment of God, a judgment of God. But Jesus said no. Jesus says, it's not a judgment of God. It's no worse. But the case is, or the point that Jesus is making, unless we repent, we too will all perish. Now, there's two types of repentance in the Bible. One is divine repentance, asking God to forgive us of sin. And then there's this other, in theology, this other type of forgiveness. And it has to do with human forgiveness. Forgiving yourself, forgiving others, forgiving God, just human forgiveness. So it's kind of hard to forgive God, but a lot of people blame God for bad disasters and hold him guilty when the reality is God is good and the devil is bad. That's pretty good theology, right? <laughs> but they were thinking this is a divine judgment. So here, here's, here's where we're headed tonight. Most everybody, I feel like there's a couple people that really need to get saved tonight. And if you feel like you want to get saved, all I know is that carpet's waiting for you. Because God's going to wreck you. But my point is this. There's salvation, eternal salvation, which removes the judgment of God eternally off our life. And then there's this other judgment that comes through the lack of forgiving others or forgiving yourself. And what I mean by that is God just takes his hands back after a time and allows the devil to do something. Because we're commanded to forgive. I'm going to prove it to you when Peter asked Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Okay. So the two realms of repentance is both spiritual and fleshly to make it easy. I forgive me, and I forgive you, and I walk in forgiveness. But the flash part, that's what brings disease. That's what makes the body sick, is when we carry unforgiveness and and choose not to repent of it. You know, you don't even have the ability, you don't even have the ability to have faith for healing unless what? Repentance comes. Because repentance comes before faith. I forgive. So in Luke, the sixth verse here, Then he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. And so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it. And fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. The basic principle is this: if there's no fr- if there's fruit, let it live. If there's no fruit, cut it down. Right? It's not that deep, right? But my point is, there's always fruit in repentance. Always asking God. When you forgive yourself, have, have you ever had to deal with some of the condemnation the devil likes to put on you? Those condemning thoughts, you know, of what you used to be and not who you are in Christ today and so on and so forth. You just need to turn around and say, Jesus, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. See? See, believers are born again, eternally saved but cut down because of disease. They're cut down. They say, oh, God took that person home early. No, he didn't. The devil did. The devil cut him down because there was a judgment. This is, this is real life stuff. This is, some, this is stuff I deal with all the time. With disease, I have learned... Between the sin and the actual manifestation of the disease is some type of time to repent and ask God to forgive. And what I mean by that is to get in there and say, I repent, I renounce, and I break the curse. Not just "I I repent. Because when we do things... We open spiritual doors. You don't have... See, the thing is... Even even with the messages of Jesus or the early disciples, apostles, there were people who believed and people who didn't believe. But those who believed were powerfully touched. They were powerfully touched. Just like I know, tonight, we're going to see some... Major diseases healed tonight. Because this is the very first key. See, digging and fertilizing is God's urgent call for believers to deal with sin. That's what it means. Get in there and dig around. Fertilize it. Change change the soil. You know the heart has what? Four types of soil? Changes the soil. So what do we do? We repent of our sin. We repent of our generational sin. The sins of the ancestors. That's why you can say, oh, he's just like his daddy. Or, he's, or she's like the mama or whatever. Or how about this? One generation has addiction to alcohol and the next generation has addicted to drug. It's still addiction. It's just whatever, whatever addiction the devil could get you to tempt you to move on. Matthew 3 and 1 says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's no kingdom without Repentance. The kingdom comes with a repenting church. When the church starts to repent for not only personal sin, but the sins of culture, kingdom has a right to invade. Verse 5 says this, Matthew 3, 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem and Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. Why did they go out there to confess their sins? Because they went out there to a atmosphere that was sin breaking. Sin breaking. The great thing is people don't need to go to one person anymore. Because Jesus is everywhere. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to them, guess what he said to them? You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? the coming round produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, repentance is supposed to bring a change in someone's life. If you have to continually ask for forgiveness, you need inner healing. I'm just going to give it to you. You need to deal with the, the emotional pain of the past. And you need God to go in there and uh, work forgiveness in your heart and true repentance. True repentance. It's more than just asking. It's more than just, okay, what's God showing you? What's God doing? What's God this or that? No, it's divine intervention with power. And they're down on the ground you go, I've watched people down on the ground weeping and crying. And all I know to do is say, forgive, forgive. Produce fruit in keeping with the Verse 9. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham. Verse 10. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. Notice, what I want you to notice about this is that tree was probably designed, I can't remember what an olive tree is, but I think an olive tree either produces either 20 or 100 years. But whatever tree that was, it was going to be cut down in the prime of its life. That's that's the key here. It's being cut down in the prime of its life because it hasn't produced in, what, three years? And in the next year, Jesus says, I'll give you time to repent and to bear fruit or you're going to be cut down. And I'm not talking about death. Most of the time, people just don't die. They're cut down with, infl- with affliction, infirmities, sicknesses. Family lines start to suffer. Have you, have, you, have you been with me? Do you understand what I'm really saying? I'm watching kids three, two, one years old, type 1 diabetes already. Already, because of the generational curse and they're being cut down and they're being placed on this medicine, what's going to happen to the next generation? How far does it have to go before the church wakes up and says, God's not messing around. It's time to repent. It's time to actually flood the altar like the Brownsville Revival. And to truly repent. And when I'm talking about repentance, I'm talking about I repent, I renounce, I break the curse. And you get rid of spirits of infirmity that are plaguing generations in your bloodline. You can deal with them, you get rid of them. The only way to escape the axe is to bring forth fruit. It's the only way. Hey, I know this is kind of a deep message, okay? I mean, I'm, it's, it's a little brash. It's a little challenging. But I'm, I'm, it's time to right the ship. It's time that the church really start to look at God and say, God, you're allowing... Because of because of time and generational issues or because of my sin, things are starting to affect me or my bloodline. Notice the religious came to John, but he told them there there is no repentance with you guys. This is spiritual. And then I put slash sins of the flesh. They thought they, were, they had their religion in their box, but they had no idea who Jesus was. Listen to what Isaiah says. I'm moving towards really where I want to be right now. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know what? Turning to our own way means i got one word rebellion rebellion we turn to our own way that means everybody if i'm not walking in a hundred percent agreement with jesus i've turned i've got parts of me that are not in that have turned away and haven't conformed that means i gotta renounce i gotta repent i gotta break curse The point is, we all, we all have turned, right. all of us. Thank God for Jesus and his blood. Thank God for Calvary, paying the price, becoming our substitute. Yes, you know, when you think, when, when, when it's Easter and it's Christmas time, and you picture the cross, I want you to picture the two thieves and then you. You. And say, oh no, I don't belong up there. Jesus took it. I don't belong up there. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is, that is the guilt caused by sin. That means when, when the Bible talks about iniquity, it's talking about guilt before God because of sin. And then the definition doesn't stop there. Then the definition says in the Greek, that brings punishment. Guilt because of sin that brings punishment. And all God's saying is this repent, renounce, break curse. I'll remove it. I have a way, I have a right. Just the way the same thing with the Supreme Court has removed the right to abort in America finally finally see you know thank god for all those christians that labored 50 60 years whatever it is i you know i'm not going to try and do the math real quick but roughly almost 50 years that have labored or a couple generations that have labored asking god to do something about this It's a gift to the church if we know what to do with it. But we have to know what to do with this. Repentance and true faith. The order is never varied in the New Testament. You know that? From Jesus to Peter to Paul to the revelator, John the revelator. It's always repent and believe. Repent and believe. That's how Jesus introduced the gospel in Mark one fourteen, Acts 17 and 30. In the past, God overlooked such, such ignorance, but now he has commanded all people everywhere to repent. So we have three common problems to healing and deliverance these are denominators. the first one is Matthew 1821 through35 but you know you know about the let me just read it real quick. When Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77. Therefore, the kingdom in heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, now pay very close attention to this because there's time in here. As he began to settle accounts, notice... He started with somebody, but somebody had to wait, and then somebody had to wait behind that, and behind that, because he started to settle accounts, plural. Therefore, the um, and as he began to settle, the man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him, roughly two or three million bucks. Since he was not able to pay, the masters ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. See, there's freedom in repentance, there's freedom. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, he he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant. Notice. Unforgiveness. Jesus is calling wickedness. Do you see that in there? He's calling it wickedness. He says, you wicked servant. I canceled, I forgave all the debt of yours because you begged me to. You repented, you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, or excuse me, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could or should pay back all that he owed. Notice, the master became angry with him. Jesus becomes angry. You know, we all, we all want to think God is good, God is happy all the time. But I can promise you, he's very upset about sin. Very upset. That's why you see such an outpouring in deliverance and powerful judgments against sin. Turn him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you or each of us unless we forgive. I'm, I'm changing it to all of us. Unless we forgive our brother from your heart. Are you getting the very first key to being healed tonight? To be healed tonight, we need to ask God to forgive us or to repent for holding judgments against ourselves judgments against others and then we need to forgive that people forgive those people forgive ourselves Amen. but we first need to repent so number 1 is unforgiveness unforgiveness calls forth God's anger Jesus says not my not I, but the Bible. Unforgiveness puts us in the hands of what? The jailers. Who are the jailers? The Greek word is torturers. It's the Greek word, torturer. That's the kingdom of darkness, the demons. Everyone's account. Everyone's account. See? From the beginning, I've looped us all. We all, Jesus would say, we all need to live a life of repentance and a life of forgiveness. Yes. If we do, it's, there's a high probability that we won't, get, we won't get sick. No one, here's another point I need to make. Notice that no one could be delivered. No one could be delivered or deliver the person who holds unforgiveness but Jesus. No one. When we hold unforgiveness, there's only one person that can remove it. It's Jesus. The second common denominator is sins of omission. Failure to do. Now, here's where I I see this. I see this in a lot of believers because what they don't... what what I've been saying in this, in this message is we fail to not deal with generational issues and break curses. We just say, we're forgiven. James 4.17 says this, anyone then who knows to do good, he ought to do and doesn't do it, Sins. If I know to do good and I don't do it, I sin. The third one is this, self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Luke 18 and 9. To someone, to, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, told Jesus this parable, or Jesus told them this parable. I'm sorry. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector the pharisee stood up and prayed about himself god i thank you that i'm not like other men robbers evildoers adulterers or even like this tax collector i fast twice a week and give a tenth of all i get but the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said god have mercy on me a sinner I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's pride. Pride. Pride keeps us from doing these things. Righteous practices. In this parable, you see pride. You see righteous practices you know, the, the Christian way. How about our own righteousness? Our own set of rules. Oh, God, I've got God in the box and this is what he's doing with me. Rules taken from the word of God, tailored to suit our convenience. Now, <clears throat> I have to preach a message like this because I'm setting you up for even a, a greater move tomorrow. Because I need you to forgive. But before you forgive anybody, I want you to repent to God for holding a judgment or an ill feeling towards somebody. We need to repent. And we need to forgive. I'm really basically asking you to start this right now. Okay? We need to forgive the ex. We need to forgive the the this or that. We just need to forgive. But before you can forgive and truly be forgiven, you have to repent to God first. It's the New Testament way. It's the New Testament way. First, repent to God and then forgive others. Repent to God for holding A judgment against yourself. God, I ask that you forgive me in Jesus' name.